0: Hey everyone, welcome to Bordeaux Buzz Podcast, where we interview winemakers and entrepreneurs in this world-famous wine region. Go on a journey with us behind the scenes as we hear the tales of this dynamic area and the stories behind great wines, independent producers, and innovators. Now, here's your host, Jolene Unland.
1: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bordeaux Buzz. This is Jolene, and today I have with me Darren.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on again, Jolene.
1: Yeah, so he will be asking questions from the perspective of someone who has not visited today's topic, and that is La Cité du Vin, so the City of Wine, Wine Experience near downtown Bordeaux. So thanks, Darren, for taking some time today to play the part of novice Bordeaux traveler.
0: Excellent. So let's start out, Jolene. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is the, I'll call it, City of Wine?
1: Uh, thanks, Darren. Uh, yes, yeah, so I have been to this a multimedia wine experience twice, once in 2017 and again in 2018. The City of Wine is really a fun and celebratory wine multimedia experience, it highlights not only wine, but art and culture and history around wine. I wouldn't really call it a museum. There's not a lot of artifacts, so to speak. Yeah, so I would call it lightly educational. So if you've ever been to a children's museum or some of the newer science museums, they really focus on multimedia experiences to get key points across. So you could really kind of call it a museum because a lot of museums are going this way. But it's really, they. I think it, they prefer to call it a wine experience because it's without those trappings of dusty old artifacts in museums. And wine can sometimes be a dry experience experience in some older types of museums so they really tried to put their best foot forward and make it a multimedia wine experience. So it isn't only multimedia uh, there's also it's a location for the locals as well as tourists. So they've worked to make it be a destination for dining. there's a boutique inside. There's a couple of restaurants and there's opportunities for for shopping inside as well as event space. And we'll get into that a little bit later when we get into detail on what to expect. Wonderful. It sounds very modern
0: or fairly uh, current. Uh, how old is it?
1: The um, experience itself was built. It was about three years to build it. So between November 2013 and May 2016, it was constructed. And it was somewhat unique in that it was funded in part by government uh, monies as well as private money from outside. And it was open to the public on June 1st in 2016. So we're recording this in February of 2021. So it's about five years old, so not old at all.
0: Who's this uh, experience uh, built for?
1: So this experience is really for someone who likes newer style of museums or experiences. So again, it's going to be heavy in the audio, visual, really a multi-sensory museum experience Uh, because wine is such a multi-sensory experience. They've worked really hard to replicate that in this space. It's also a great place to go for people who don't like artifacts. If people don't like going to some of the older style museums, they'll find that this is quite different and it's really targeted towards the general audience. Um, but it's good for wine lovers and people who enjoy like who enjoy the casual wine lifestyle or people who are really into wine. So it's it's an experience for people who are really looking to understand the breadth of the world of wine and a little bit
0: of depth. That sounds wonderful. So on the other hand, who might not enjoy this experience?
1: When one goes online and looks at reviews, it's, it becomes fairly clear that folks who don't like watching a lot of videos tend to not like the experience so much. So it's not for people who... It's not for people who don't like watching lots of videos or listening to audio descriptions of things. It's also if you're going on a weekend or in the middle of the end of the day can get quite busy. For folks who don't like crowds, a quick tip is to go in the morning. It would be probably not the best place to go if people are looking for in-depth wine knowledge Although I'll put a strong caveat, there is a really great library that we'll talk about a little bit later in the interview where you can learn in multiple languages and get access to various wine literature where you can learn more in depth. So if you're coming to the museum with a lot of wine knowledge, it might be some, an experience you might want to just spend an hour or two on. Another thing if you're looking for more in-depth wine knowledge is, it does have a bookshop, and as a person who's living in the U.S., I found it nice to find books that I could not access from within the U.S. And last but not least, it's probably not a great experience for small and restless children. I did see quite a few children at the museum both times. Kids who are really interested in smelling things and touching things, and yeah, it would be good for, let say, older children, maybe age 10 and up.
0: I've seen some photos of the building, and it looks uh, rather unique. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, the physical structure and, and uh, what it looks like?
1: Uh, yes. The first time I saw it, I've seen pictures online. I first thought that it looked like a decanter. But then when you get closer up to it, you start to see there's more than just a couple things going on. When you look at the building there is a structure that that rises vertically and that is uh, the intent of that is to resemble a a vine so a growing or twisting tendril and then the bottom portion yeah you could say it looks like a very large like swirling glass or swirling decanter so in the design of the building they went for multi-themed effect and it's striking that also it's very large so it's over 3,000 meters squared and it's about I think it's eight stories in height so it does rise quite a bit above the river level so it's right on the Garonne River and it's in um, and I said driving towards you cross a, a bridge and you can see it from quite a distance it's shiny as well you can check out in the show notes. I put a link to the museum and you can see, see the structure. It's in kind of northeast Bordeaux. So if you're in downtown Bordeaux, let's say near the tourist office, it's about three and a half kilometers or two miles north and east of, of downtown.
0: Can you tell us uh, how we would get there?
1: Let's say you're staying in a hotel in downtown Bordeaux by car. It could be 10 minutes if it's not busy, but more than likely it could be 30 minutes to navigate those two miles Uh, by foot or by bike. It's three and a half kilometers or two miles from memory. It takes about 10 minutes by tram. There's a few stops along the way so an uber or a taxi is another option especially if it's if it's raining but it's fairly navigable it's easy to go by foot or bike so if you're looking for a nice two mile walk i'd recommend that do you have other tips on planning
0: a trip to get to the uh, museum or the the city of wine
1: Uh, yes first is the expense so when i went the tickets were 20 euros Uh, When you arrive at the museum, you can also get a five euro guide. Before you purchase the ticket, though, you can purchase it online or you may check with your hotel or with um, the place that you're staying. And sometimes I found that you can get discount tickets or free tickets, especially if the place you are staying at was part of the funding process. And yes, as far as planning, I plan four to six hours for really serious wine enthusiasts. So it's a great place to spend half a day. If you're more casually interested in wine, you could go for, for two hours. And if you want to eat at the restaurant on the seventh floor, you'll want to book that in advance. If you are looking for a specific experience, you can contact the City of Wine in advance and see if there's any special exhibits or events that are there on the date. So that could help you decide if you want to go that day or not go if it sounds like it's something that's a really big event and it might be crowded Another tip, going back to the museum a second time, I brought my own headphones. So the device that you have when you go through the museum has like a scanning portion on it. So it's about the size of a smartphone. So if you have a phone and then you're holding this device, both of your hands are going to be full. I did bring my own headphones because they were, you know how these museums or experiences are, the headphones are always okay. So what do you recommend people wear when they go there? It's about a 3000 meter experience there's some stair climbing there's also elevators if you can't navigate stairs the surface is a hard surface like most museums or experiences there are some places to sit definitely comfortable shoes depending on the weather if there's been a big shift if it's cooler or warmer than expected you may want to wear layers it can be warm in the summertime i went in at the beginning of the morning it was quite cool in there But by noon, there was quite a few people. Just with body heat, it was getting a little warm. So it was nice to be able to take off an outer layer. In the winter, again, it might be cool in the morning. And as more people come in, it might warm up. But you might want to bring a jacket. And uh, yeah, if you don't want to carry around your jacket, if you are there for four to six hours, there's a nice coat check downstairs. And you can also put umbrellas there if you've walked from downtown. One thing to keep in mind is if you're coming like with a rolling bag, let's say the City of Wine is an experience you're doing before you're heading to the airport, I'd call the City of Wine and ask how much luggage you can bring in into the coat check. There was space there, but there wasn't a whole lot. I would say, you know, definitely if there was a tour bus of people there with a bunch of luggage, they probably wouldn't like that very much, but just call and check if you have, like I said, one roller board, maybe one check bag, they might be able to accommodate you or help you find a place to store that.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about the format and the layout of the building? So what would we experience as we go through uh, from floor
1: to floor? Uh, yes. So when you arrive at the museum, you're going to arrive on the ground floor. So the tram, if you take that, deposit uh, deposits you. Uh, right across the street from the ground floor. So that's where the ticket desk is. That's where the coat check is. That's where the elevators and the stairs are. And also there's a, a casual wine bar restaurant called Latitude 20. And the wine shop, so if you want to purchase wines. And then there's also a desk there. People can help you with a wine tour. So that's all on the ground floor. So there's a lot of activity happening on that on that ground floor. So on the on the first floor, so that's not the ground floor. So uh, when you go up one level, that's floor number one, and that's where the temporary exhibits are. So there may or may not be temporary exhibits there when you're visiting the city of wine There's also the Thomas Jefferson Auditorium. So it's a large auditorium for talks, etc. And then there's also the reading room or library. So that takes up a fair amount of space. So the first floor, if there's no temporary exhibits, you may just uh, go past it to floor number two, and that's the area with the permanent tour. So that's where all of the permanent exhibits and experiences are located. When you ascend from floor one to floor two, that's where you get your audio guide and the scanner device I mentioned earlier. Floor number 2 is where again these 19 different exhibit areas exist. And then that's that's the main exhibit, so you'll go through those 19 exhibit areas. I highly recommend the visitor's guide. Again, it's going to cost you maybe another extra 5 euros. It's available in multiple languages but it will help you to prioritize which sections you might want to visit if you only have a couple hours. 4-7 is where the panoramic restaurant is located. Again, you want to check hours on that. It's more of a fine dining experience. There's wines there from 50 different countries. I think they had something like a 500-bottle wine list. It's very nice. And then on the 8th floor, it has beautiful panoramic views of Bordeaux. And there are wine samples and there's a wine bar up there. If you're arriving in the morning and you're fine with having some wine at, you know, 1030, 11 o'clock in the morning, you may want to head up there first before it gets you know, maybe a little bit warmer, a little more crowded. So you can have some nice views. The times where it does tend to get crowded is especially in the in the fall, or early in the spring, in the evenings when the sun's starting to set, it's beautiful up there. So it can get a little bit crowded. And outside, uh, when I went there, I don't know if it will change after the pandemic, but there was a nice garden along the river and a nice place for a picnic. So right across the street, there's a food hall. So if you don't want to eat in Latitude 20 or you don't have a reservation for the panoramic restaurant on the seventh floor, you may want to go to this food hall across the street, get some some cheese and some bread and what have you, and enjoy a nice outdoor picnic in the garden along the Garonne if the weather's nice.
0: Earlier, you mentioned that there were 19 themed spaces. Can you tell us a bit more about what those are?
1: Yes, I'll go through these as quickly as possible. Number one uh, when you first enter on that second level, there will be a section called World Wine Tour. This is essentially some aerial views of different vineyard landscapes throughout the world. The second themed space is World of wine. So there are five interactive globes. These globes stand about six feet or two meters tall. and they're interactive so you get a lot of practice with your scanning device that you just received. It covers this uh, world of wine region covers topics like climate changes, new varieties, etc. So section number three is the terroir table. So this really goes through and discusses the interplay between climate and soils and aspect, human interaction with uh, grapes in the vineyard, and it really covers uh, 10 different regions of the world. From memory, there's a lot of winemaker videos. There might be other folks like agronomists speaking as well, but it's mostly winemakers. Moving on to the space number four. There's an e-vine. It's a structure where there are wooden grapevines, and there's monitors attached to the vines. And you can go through with your scanner and look and see the life cycle of the vine, how selection of varieties happens, and a little bit about the maturation of the grape in the vineyard and then harvest. Section number five is really the metamorphosis of wine. So after harvest, where it shows photos of vats and the cellar, barrels, stainless steel, champagne is covered, red wine production is covered, white wine, etc. So it's really the transformation of the grape into what we know as wine. There's a sixth theme space, and it covers wine portraits. And again, it's like after the wine is made after this metamorphosis has happened. It's a celebration of the different styles, so you can read in this tall forest of bottles about rosé, about white wines, red wines, dry wines, sweet wines, etc. Section number seven is wine over water. So there you'll see how wine has traveled on different waterways around the world before railways and roads ultimately came into being. So essentially wine rivers are celebrated in this section. Area number eight is called All Aboard, and it's seating, so yay, that's a rare thing (laughs) to find in some of these museums or exhibits, but it's a nice place to sit. There's seating for about 50 people, so it's like, congratulations, you've made it halfway through the exhibit, and you can sit and watch a movie about how merchants moved wine and the different types of vessels that merchants use over history, I found that part quite interesting. Uh, yeah, also how wine was conserved as it was getting to the destination, which could be you know, just down the river or from the old world to the new world. So section number nine is the gallery of civilizations. So it's essentially a maze. So you enter in Egyptian times and you exit in the 21st century. It's a timeline again, a maze, and it takes you through six to eight thousand years of wine history. And there's lots of different audiovisual experiences explaining various time points in the history of wine in uh, Egyptian times, Grecian times, in more recent French history. Also, the intersection of various religions and wine. I found a lot of like older. Kids and teenagers really liked this this area. Section number 10 is the trend wall. This one was one of my favorites in the museum. So there's essentially 30 different bottles there. And it goes through 30 different themes and stories. So again, using yours, mostly a audio experience where there are different stories, short stories are told. And this discusses various trends like movies, bottle closures, and comic books. Number 11. So section 11 is one of the most popular in the museum because you really get multiple senses. So it's not just the audio and the visual. There's a lot of tactile experiences. So you can touch various things with your hands and you can smell things. So there's many stations and it's well spread out. Folks can come up to these essentially bell glasses and smell different fruits. There are samples inside and um, yeah, touch things. And there's some, a few videos on people speaking about how memory and smell is connected, emotion and smell. And then about celebrating the different aromas of wine. So if you only have a couple of hours to spend in this uh, museum, or then this experience, I would highly recommend you know spending the most time maybe on section number eleven, which is the buffet of of the five senses. Themed area number twelve is the banquet of legends. So this is various famous people in wine history. So there's videos like if you got Thomas Jefferson and and other people. Let me say from Roman times and Greek times and current French history together, and they had an imaginary banquet, just to see how they would talk amongst themselves. Section number 13 is the dark side of drinking. So the excess of drinking is responsibly presented. And it's done several different ways. So through art, through poetry, through literature, and it highlights different bad things that can happen during overconsumption of alcohol, bad behaviors, etc. Section number fourteen is the art of living, so this is essentially you know, various people uh, present their thoughts on wine traditions. So different rituals, and it's really a description. The highlight I took away from this was it's a description of the French gastronomic meal and how wine life has evolved over the years. Images of people appear, and it looks like they're kind of there and talking. So. I was more awed about the visual presentation than, than so much the conversation, but it was, it was interesting. Section number 15 is the, this wall of experts. So there's little kiosks that a person could stand or sit at. It highlights different writers, psalms, chefs, winemakers, and doctors talking about you know trends or topics in wine. Section 16 is Bacchus and Venus. So this is really a, a section about wine and love. And from memory, there's like a couch-type setting that you can sit in and look up. So it's like this dome, and music is playing, and it's a lot of discussion about wine and love. This themed area number 17 is about wine and religion. And so here there are a few artifacts, and it's showing the connection between wine and symbols on in, in all different types of religions in rituals, and then also in art and music. As you're getting ready to leave the second floor, there's also a hall there, section 18 and 19 together, focus on on Bordeaux. So the city and the role that it played in the history of the wines of France, and really the tale of Bordeaux, how it came into being and its role in the in the wine world today. So so yeah, you can see how it can take, it was quite a lengthy description, but it can take two to four, maybe six hours if you find all the sections very interesting. And yeah, when you start to leave this uh, level two, that's when you turn in your audio guide and your headphones. So once we've
0: turned in our headphones, uh, what's next? Where do we go from there?
1: Uh, you've got a hand free now. So you can head, if you haven't done this earlier, you can head up to the eighth floor. And like I said earlier, there's a panoramic view of Bordeaux. Uh, There's a really cool chandelier of bottles that's over a bar area. And I think it's something like 2000 wine bottles. So that's worth checking out. You can enjoy a glass of wine. Uh, From memory, there's one or two glasses of wine free with your admission into the exhibit. Um, But yeah, if you like the noise and and bustle, it's a great fun place, you can see people taking selfies and, and uh, taking photos of the the sunset in the evening. So um, so yeah, check out the eighth floor. If it is pretty crowded, and you still you want a glass of wine, I would recommend going down and hanging out a little bit. On the ground floor where the Latitude 20 restaurant and wine bar are, they have typically 40 different wines on hand. That's an option if it's crowded upstairs.
0: You mentioned the 40 wines downstairs. Uh, Can you get small pours?
1: Uh, From memory, you can get various different sizes of pours. So it's like the enomatic machines that you find nowadays at least in the states in a lot of wine shops so typically you'll see you can get you know small pour or large pour the price varies by by the wine it's a nice way to sample and and they have 40 typically say 40 wines on tap but they pull from a larger selection something like 500 or so different wines so, so they're changing, changing yeah. fairly frequently yeah
0: so, Julian, it sounds like you really uh, enjoyed your, your visits there to the City of Wine and there's a lot to see there. Is it safe to say that you would recommend people plan a visit?
1: Uh, yes, I would. And yeah, I would really focus like the amount of time based on what your interest is. So I know I went through the long list of 19 different themed areas you can kind of pick out uh, what might be of interest of you and base your time on that. You can also use the map. So I put a link uh, below in the show notes and also on the blog. So use the map as a reference to prioritize your area of interest. Make sure you take some time to sample the wine at Latitude 20. So that was one of the highlights of uh, both my visits. Plan some time to check out the food hall across the street. And again, I put a link in the show notes about the different options to eat there or make a picnic just outside the exhibit.
0: When do you recommend somebody plan a visit? Uh, when should they go to check it out?
1: Uh, yeah, the museum is open year-round. Check their website for hours so the hours do vary by season. You know, Go early in the day if you don't like crowds or go on a weekday in the morning.
0: This has been really good information. Where can people go to find more about the City of Wine and, and potentially plan an upcoming visit?
1: Uh, yes, in the show notes, I give a link to a blog about this podcast. And there you can find all the information on how to get to uh, La Cité du Vent and how to plan your visit, what types of things to pack and bring, information about the food hall across the street and a link to the exhibit so you can learn more about the hours and what special exhibits might be happening when you're planning your visit. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thanks again, Darren, for your time. Cheers.
0: You've been listening to the Bordeaux Buzz podcast. Thanks for spending time with us. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We'll be back soon with another interview and insights. Take care.